Hey guys, uh, Christian here. Got a couple of announcements for you before this week's episode. Um, first, uh, you may have noticed in the past that we've been including content warnings uh, in our show notes for anything that we think kind of goes beyond the pale of the typical tone uh, of our show. Um, there's a lot of reasons for that. We've talked about it in, in other places, um, but the, the needle to thread there uh, is always trying to tell you all enough uh, that you can make informed decisions about your mental health, but not tell you so much that it ruins the fun of, you know, listening to the plot. Um, and the way that we've tried to strike that balance in the past is to bury the content warnings at the bottom uh, of our show notes. But a few people have written in to tell us that that's not as helpful as it could be, uh, because sometimes maybe you're listening in your car or whatever the case may be, and you can't read the show notes before the episode starts playing. Um, so from now on, what we're going to do is, since some episodes have content warnings and some don't, um, the episodes that do have content warnings will get a very short announcement at the beginning with no details. It'll be something like, um, this episode of The Once and Future Nerd contains material which some listeners may find especially upsetting. Please read the content warnings at the bottom of our show notes if you have concerns. Um, that way, Hopefully, people with specific sensitivities will know that maybe they ought to check the notes, uh, but everyone else won't risk having any plot information spoiled for them. Um, and we want to take this opportunity to thank the people who wrote in to give us feedback. Um, you know, there's a lot of judgment calls that go into making a project like this, so it's always helpful to, ha to know how all of you are feeling. Uh, so please let us know if you have any other questions or concerns. We can't promise that we will always enact what you want because we've got the wishes of a whole diverse fandom to balance, um, but we promise that we'll listen to you and, and take what you say into account for future decisions. Um, and as it happens, uh, that warning actually does apply for this episode, so take a look at the bottom of the show notes if you're worried. Okay, uh, lastly, um, this episode is the conclusion of Book 2, Chapter 3, and so that means it is time for another Ask the Once and Future Nerd episode, where you submit questions and we answer them in a YouTube live stream. Uh, you can submit your questions using hashtag AskTOAFN on Twitter, Tumblr, or Facebook, uh, or DM us on Reddit or Patreon. Reminder, uh, if you are a $5 and up patron on Patreon, um, your question moves to the top of the list. Uh, normally, we ask you to submit those questions by kind of the Friday after an episode airs, um, but that would put it uh, during the Thanksgiving holiday for, for all of our American listeners. Um, so instead, um, we're going to ask you to submit all of your questions by Friday, December 1st, and then the, the live stream will be at a, a time TBA uh, very, very shortly uh, thereafter, probably uh, that weekend. Okay, um, that's it for now, and uh, enjoy the episode, and I will talk to you soon. The Once and Future Nerd depends on listeners like you for funding and for spreading the word. If you enjoy the show, please tell a friend, leave us a rating or review on iTunes, and if you are able, consider supporting us at patreon.com slash onceandfuturenerd. You shall be rewarded. Once and Future Nerd Book 2 Myth Made Flesh Chapter 3 Bridges 
part four by Rhiannon Angel, Ian Harkins, and Christian T. Kelly Madeira. We resume our tale in the southern port town of Seahold, nestled against the Sea of the Ancestors, in the shadow of the Keep of Ivan, son of Morris. It was here that Billy's river barge was pulled to dock by a sun-tanned Steve Dog. Thanks, dude. So listen, my man, I'm trying to find... Do I know you? Probably not, I'm just trying then to... Then I'm sure I'm not your man. Shit. And if you'd had an ear against one of the barrels just then, you might have heard a very frustrated Nia talking to herself as if trying to will Billy's comprehension. Billy, we talked about this. What did Nia say? Uh, oh, oh! Billy searched for someone nearby who looked friendly. His eyes fell upon a woman with graying hair and a hempen robe, who seemed to be finishing a conversation with a small crowd of peasants. She had the air of a teacher, or, no, that's it, a minister. She and the peasants made the sign of the circle around their hearts, and the peasants departed looking fairly pleased with the interaction. Hail and well met, good woman. There we are. Yes? Hello? The woman approached Billy. She looked nearly 50. I uh, seek to hire passage across the seas. Can you... Point me towards where I might do so. Aye, of course. See that steeple over yonder? And inside her barrel, Nia cupped her mouth with her hand to conceal a gasp. <gasps> That's our chapel. For of course one does not easily forget the voice of one's own mother. Head down there and right across the square you'll find a public house. Big badger on the sign. Most seafaring folk are known to take their meals there. Should find someone to give you a fair price. Many thanks to you. Simple kindness is the least we owe to strangers. Go with Galadin, young man. Oh, right. I, uh, I have heard that some seafarers are less honorable than others. Are there any you would avoid? This is a decent bird, full of good Galadin-fearing folks. Brigands and rogues find little welcome here. But, between you and me, I've heard some troubling whispers about Otto Olufsen. Nothing for sure, do you know what I mean? But maybe best to steer clear. I thank you for your sage guidance. If I'm really being honest, you're best to avoid anyone who frequents Armstrongard, like he does. City has a way of changing even good folk. In her barrel, Nia hung her head at what she was certain was an admonition in absentia. I... Okay, thanks again. Safe travels. And Nia could not fully stop at least a few tears from welling up as Billy began carting his friends towards the aforementioned public house, where he, of course, immediately sought out Captain Otto Olafsson. Armstrongard, you say? They told me this would be enough. Yeah, that'll get you there. Fixing to leave at dawn. What about right now? The captain raised an eyebrow at this. I'll gather up the boys. Just you and your cargo? Yeah. Your business is yours, but I do like to have some idea what gets loaded onto my ship. But I don't require it exactly. So we all set? <clears throat> Not until I've said this. This cargo, 
And that's to breathe, drink, and eat. That's not cargo. That's stowaways. And stowaways go straight overboard. No ifs, ands, or buts. Got that? There's eight, aside from me. Eight? No, wait. Nine. Well, that's a lot more risk for me then, isn't it? With some reluctance, Billy reached into the travelling pack he had with him. Use your head, lad. Under the table. All right. You can load them up. But they stay in the cargo hold the whole trip. And someone will bring food and drink down. Got that? Fine. So, can we go now? And so, by that afternoon, Captain Olafson had raised his anchor and lowered his sails. And with our party concealed in the cargo hold, he put out to sea. Not a moment too soon, either, as the vessel had just cast off when the first banners of the Tala Heel began appearing on the hill overlooking Seahold. Once they had set off, Billy pried his friends loose of their very unbecoming containers so that they could at least stretch their legs while confined to the cargo hold. Admittedly, some had taken to the ocean better than others. Well, this is all very fucking real. So, Brennan, you might have mentioned you were prone to seasickness while we were planning this endeavor. Would it have diminished or need to travel by sea? I could have at least tried to find some ginger or peppermint for you before we left. I ought to be myself again soon. There's nothing left to spew. I don't think I'll ever understand you, Brennan. Regan then took a moment to look out the one porthole available to her. The coastline was plainly visible barely half a mile away. Why the fuck are we still so close to shore? Billy, go get the captain. I gotta talk to him. What's up? I think we're safe overnight, but come the sun we gotta be further out. Might as well fucking wave to them from here. I can just talk to the captain myself if you want. We've got, like, a good rapport going. No, this is gonna be a pretty tricky needle to thread. I got us this far on my own. Better leave it to Regan, okay, babe? Okay. Hey, Jenny, did you see me steer the barge? It was pretty sweet. No, I was stuffed in a barrel. Oh. But you did it. We got there. Good job. Andrew's with a Hail Mary into the end zone. And Williams has it! Put up six on the board! <laughs> One captain coming right up. Gotta stop stroking him off every time he manages basic shit. Does everything out of your mouth have to be mean and gross? You okay, Nia? What? Yes. Sorry, I'm fine. And you had like a you know thousand yard stare going on. There's been much to mull over as of late. Well, one more hurdle cleared, I suppose. For now. The milk we brought slacked to town before we arrive. Best to keep him sleeping long as we can. Young Rosie left the path one day Wandered past the fence and through the hay She walked and she walked until she fell In the clearing of the fairies But the calm of Arlene's song was disturbed by the return of Captain Olafson. All right, there better be a good damn reason you... Ah! Who's been sick all over my damn cargo? <coughs> Apologies, Captain. I'll find my sea legs soon. Someone start talking. What do you think about maybe heading out past these breakers? <laughs> None of your business and slim chance anyway. 
Anything else? Are you done wasting my time with foolhardy questions? Hang on, hang on. Let me talk to you in private a second. Regan gestured the captain to follow her into a secluded corner of the cargo hold. If you hadn't noticed, I have a whole ship to mind. Come on, just a second. <sighs> he reluctantly followed. Unsure of what exactly their queen was thinking, Regan's retainers surreptitiously moved their hands towards their weapons as the captain disappeared with Regan behind some barrels. I want to get further out to sea. Good for you. I'm the captain and you're technically cargo. What'll it take to convince you? It's out of the question. Where I'm from, nothing's out of the question if you know how to ask. Well, where I'm from, captain decides where a ship goes. So unless you forgot to mention you're an admiral, there's no negotiation to be had. I've always dreamed about venturing out into the open seas. The loneliness, the tossing about, it just thrills me. How about it, Captain? Want to give a girl her wildest dreams? The Captain looked down in confusion as Regan clumsily poured at his arm with a bandaged mitt. I'm sorry, I've had a rough couple of days. My heart's not in this, but I gotta get out to sea. How much coin will it take? Dear, if you could pay me enough, you'd own your own fleet. Look. I can't give you the details, but... Now, 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 stop right there. I sure as Selbrin don't want to know your business. But I know anyone who pays top dollar to board this rickety hunk of junk is running from something. Or someone. And I know we're too far out for you to be worried about human eyes spotting us. So if you know all that, ain't you worried about getting on a certain pointy-eared someone's shit list if they find us? Ah, you see, dear... That'd be much more of a you problem. I've got what you call plausible deniability. You know what that means? You know I do. But there's far worse than elves out in the open seas. You don't know the elves like I do, then. Cutthroat raiders patrol these waters. And beasts that'll make your nightmares piss the britches. Ever seen a squid that could eat a fishing boat whole? Well, I have. Not to mention that storm up in the mountains might head our way. Best case, we get lost in a fog. Worst case, it turns into a tempest and rips this old gal apart. Whole lot of maybes. My coin is a sure thing. Maybe so. But for the last time, it's my ship. And I'll be taking my leave of you now, before I have to get rude. Ghoul and Grog will come down at sunup. Balls. As soon as the captain was back above board, Regan sought the counsel of her retainers. Anyone got any ideas for persuading the captain? He's a stubborn motherfucker and buying him off won't work. What? He was immune to your feminine wiles? Let me tell you the state of my feminine wiles right now. I've had a cavalry charge, a three-day hike, and almost died in a fire since my last bath. Plus, I'm wiping my ass with a rag on a stick. It's a fucking shipwreck down there. So if you want to offer to spit shine his masthead, I won't stop you, but you're on your own. Yeah, no thanks. probably take his crew in a fight if we had to, but then no one knows how to drive this damn boat, so it leaves us ass-fucked and shit out of luck. Your Grace, at the risk of becoming the proverbial hanged messenger... Yellowine was at the moment looking out the porthole with grave concern. What is it? There's an elven frigate, maybe 500 yards to port. God's fucking damn it. I think it's just a routine patrol, but small comfort that is. We gotta do something now. When you spoke with the captain... Did he let slip any personal details that might be used to apply pressure to him? Not really. Strong, silent type, that one. I have an idea. It's gonna sound a little crazy, but bear with me. I, I think
think I know how to control wind. You what now? I could do it in a small area, I think. It's just air pressure. More molecules in one place than another. Should be even easier than lightning, theoretically. No ionic bonds to break. This honestly doesn't shock me. Why must it always be storm magic? <laughs> shock. Get it? I shall ride to safety on the wings of the storm. Huh? Sorry, continue. Wind is good, but won't they just correct at the helm? No, if... <clears throat> no, if we disconnect the tiller. Good thinking. I could probably get to the pulleys real quiet-like. No offense, but we'll need to untie them or something, not just cut them. So we can steer the ship again when we need to. Knots might be a little tough for you right now. You're right. This is getting really fucking old. I'll go. I think if I'm careful, I can avoid detection. Regan stared at Yellowine for a long moment. Shall I, Your Grace? My eyes will be glued to that porthole. If the coast or the elf boat start getting bigger, you're shock food. Now go. Try and keep your bandage dry. I'm worried about your wound. Yellowin bowed his head low before stalking off. All this still depends on the crew not getting wise. Can we keep them distracted somehow? On it! I'm sailing away! A lady, maybe you can help. Help? How? I doubt the sailors could say no to your singing. There's a harm in trying. Better than just sitting around praying. Very well. Your Grace, I think I can help with the crew. Thank you, my lady. That is much appreciated. Jen, you got what you need? I think so. Then Jen closed her eyes and concentrated deeply. And above deck, the sails began to fill ever so slightly. You might recall that General Traft, the unfortunate, had recently been drugged and kidnapped by a woodsman. We return to him now, just as he comes to. The first thing he perceived was the sight of his own breath and the stinging nettles of frigid air in his lungs. He tried to move, but found his wrists and ankles spread apart and bound with thick rope. And as he turned his head to the side, he came eye to eye with a corpse, motionless, eyes glazed over, and the first hints of frost just beginning to overtake its skin. What the fuck? Now, that don't want to help any of us aboard. Then Jethro the woodsman walked into view. He wore a robe that may have once been the deep black of the Templars of Discord, but was now a dusty and threadbare grey. And even more disturbing to Traft was the staff with which Jethro now walked, which somehow instilled a very visceral sense of terror in the seasoned warrior. It was sharpened at the bottom, and the markings on it were wrong. The shapes on it were not things that should be, at least in Traft's mind. So you're a Templar. That what this about then? Listen, just because I lost the battle, nee, I... Nee, nee, nee. I put them in their small little minds behind me long ago. Listen, you just let me go. I can bring you more jewels than you ever seen. Ha! I'm sorry you think I'm such a petty man. Here's for bubbles and trinkets. Whatever you want, I can get you. Now that, I think, is true. Traft began to discern the shapes behind Jethro. Hanging on hooks from the ceiling were frozen corpses in various stages of mutilation and butchery. What the fuck did you do to them? 
By their tattoos, the corpses were mostly, but not exclusively, orcs. Well, there were mistakes in our explorations. On my part, yeah, but also on theirs. And once the spark's gone out of the body, it's just a meat anyhow. Never could see the sense in a wasting it. You're out of your goddamn mind. Oh, I'm not, I promise you. But uh, not for lack of trying. <laughs> I got a faith in you, though, because we got a mutual friend. Mutual friend? I swear, if this is going to be some damn scripture-thumping personal lord and saviors... Oh, who needs scripture when you got the genuine article? You knew Queen Dagmar, didn't you? What's it to you? Well, she's who got me started on this path. Showed me it was possible. What was possible? To walk between the worlds. To move like our shadows do. To become our own shadow. Old man, I gotta die in this shithole of yours. I wish you'd get it over with and smear me to God's damn riddles. No, you damn idiot! I need you to survive. But unless you want to end up like old Caleb there, walking around begging for food, licking his own a bumhole, then you gotta listen to what I'm telling you. Why would I believe a word out of your mouth? You wanna see her again? I know I do. Guess you ain't got a town crier up here, you old coot. Dagmar's dead. Has been for more than a month. Ah, uh, believe me, I heard. You wanna see her again? Great. Another loon thinks he can raise the dead. I don't have to raise anything. The gate between the living and the dead is like my table upstairs. Our bodies cannot pass through it, but our shadows, mm, they got a chance. So I ask you again. You want to see her? All right. Why don't you prove it then? Make one of those sorry bastards stand up and start doing a dance. Nay, nay, nay. I can't with them. Well, that's a shock. They ain't got no wheels left. Soon as a wheel leaves your body, if you ain't careful, it falls through your grasp like a sand. I try to tell them like I'm a telling you, but they didn't believe. And they didn't have no ties to the likes of Dagmar. Yeah, I'm sure that was the problem. She's out there somewhere, boy. I can feel her, and I think you can too. If you knew her, then you always felt like there was something to her that she wasn't letting you see. And when you heard she died, a part of you knew she wasn't a really gone. You're bluffing. You're just saying what everyone else thinks after someone dies. Ah, everybody's so damn incredulous these days. Don't move. From a nearby workbench, Jethro retrieved a thick book bound in some crude kind of leather. Traft realized with mounting disgust that the patterns on the leather were also orcish tattoos. There you go. He held the book open in front of Traft's face, and there, bound into the horrid tome, was a yellowed old letter written with a hand that Traft still recognized. You're coming to a crossroads, my love. The world is coming to a crossroads. And you shall choose our path. Where'd you get this? What do you think? You the only one she took a roll around in a bed with? Some damn fool reason I was to believe you. What then? Well, then I'd start trying to send your wheel. Short little hops at first, very easy, not much risk. Then once you start to see for yourself what I'm telling you, we could start to get more ambitious. What do you get out of this? Told you, 
to free myself from this button-paid-for little world. So why don't you just go yourself? Because if I muck it up, there ain't nobody left to try. Your kind spend a lot of time in mines, don't they? And in mines, don't you sometimes bring a little birdie to make sure it's safe? Well, you're gonna be my little birdie. Only if the miner's bird lives, all she gets to do is do it again the next day and hope her for the best. But if you live through this, there ain't gonna be a cage built by a man or gods that can hold you. And you get to see her again. Well, for now, just close your eyes and take a few deep breaths. The gnarled old man flipped through his grisly grimoire until he found the spell he sought. There we are. Nice and easy to start. And as he silently mouthed the words of the spell, an unsettling presence crept into the cellar. As the sun rose on Otto Olofsson's ship, the crew found themselves wholly enraptured by Arlene's singing. She looked in the well as the mist did clear, in faith that her lover would appear. But she saw not her man, nor moon, nor stars, just her face all full of scars. For she's gathered her skirts above and she's gone to the wishing well to see if the man that she loves waits for her all alone at the wishing well. Oh, now that was some lovely singing, dear. I ain't heard that one since, hmm, when was it? In his reverie, he turned his face to the rising sun. God's wearing silver. As it dawned on him, he wheeled on Arlene, choking on his own fury. What have you done, you goddamned harpy? What siren spell have you cast? The crew of the ship was now catching up to Olafson's realization. I only meant to. You've killed us all, goddammit! He advanced, red faced, towards a stunned and frightened Arlene, but Billy got in the way. Hey, watch it, dude! Had a feeling about you lot. Should have thrown you overboard soon as I did. Well, there's a lot of us, so I'd like to see you try. And then Olafson's eyes fixed on some point over Billy's shoulder, and his face went white. Oh, you stupid, stupid child. Little good that'll do any of us now. All turned to look at where Olafson was staring and saw a grotesque masthead pierce the fog ahead of a sleek hull blackened with pitch. As the thick morning fog parted, the sound of a coxswain's drum wafted towards our heroes as oars furiously beat the water, and then the dread vessel raised high a black flag. The pirates gathered and help us all. The Once and Future Nerd is directed by Christian T. Kelly Madeira. It is created and executive produced by Zach Glass and Christian T. Kelly Madeira and co-executive produced by Jess Kelly Madeira. Associate producers are Ryan Cushman, Alex Story, and Michael Zentz. It is performed by... Rhiannon Angel. Garrett Arman. 
Dan Dobransky, Anya Gibeon, Ian Hawkins, Shannon Harris, Paul Notis, Juliet Prather, Frank Quares, Julie Reed, Gregory M. Schultz. Production audio recording by Jared Paul. Editing by Josh Perot. Post-production mixing and sound design by Dylan Garrity. Tom Lee is our musical director and lead composer, with additional scoring by Chris Montalbo. For more, visit onceandfuturenerd.com or find us on Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, or Reddit.